0: All right, Lee, how's it going?
1: Good. How are you?
0: You know, living day by day. Happy uh, MLK Day.
1: Is that right? Day is, by day, huh?
0: Is that right? That is as right as I can get right. Did you,
1: speaking of MLK Day, did you did you see anything today regarding MLK as far as like a cover story or perhaps like um, an unknown untold aspect of his life at all? Like anything like that you haven't heard before, basically?
0: No, I've been away from news and whatnot. Um, I don't really have, uh, I don't have social media. I mean, all I really have at this point is Reddit. So yeah. I deleted the app from my phone because I would frequent the app. So why would you see?
1: Oh, uh, regarding MLK, not, not like a ton. I saw like some people's posts and what have you. And I actually saw a post from a from like a Christian theologian or theolo- I should say theology page in regards to MLK's theology, basically calling him like a heretic, oh, yeah, huh. like there weren't they weren't disputing any of his like civil rights work, his civil rights uh contributions and what have you, like that's mm-hmm. not what they were like addressing at all. Like they were they were actually giving him credit, giving him like his due, you know. But uh, as far as like, I should, I guess, I should send you the article, there's an article online. In regards to his theology and how, like, it was a bit shaky, I guess. According to this article, I, I wasn't able to verify or like go further, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I guess like I'm trying to remember exactly the phrasing that they used, but it questioned like his, I guess his viewpoint on like the divinity of Christ, the death and resurrection. His uh, lordship, as as the his sonship, the lordship as the son of God, claims. Yeah, I know this is like (laughs) a funny way to start the podcast, but I I had because it's because I've never heard I've never heard of uh, any of those claims or any of those like viewpoints, you know, regarding. Regarding him, and what I, what I guess, what I want to look for, want to see, is like him actually stating
0: those claims. Yeah,
1: yeah, these claims. That's where it's like, okay, well, if that's what he thought. Then, you know, he had, a, he obviously had a little, a little loose, uh, loose basis for, you know, theology and what have you. Interesting. I just, I just wondered if you had, you had saw, like, seen anything. You saw that. Um, you know, because they're going to cover it. Obviously, it's it's the holiday.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, there's definitely. Um, I mean, I don't know if you saw. I was it last year. I think it was. They were talking about MLK, and bringing up sort of like his uh, how do you say it now infidelity. And other sort of, you know,
1: yeah, that's glass. a huge, a huge talking point for some people that follow the um, J. Edgar Hoover files and like how the head of the FBI, yeah, J. Edgar Hoover, the head of the FBI at the time, had like all this dirt on MLK and was like spying on him and like they they bugged like all his phones and what have you,
0: yeah. It's. I mean, I wouldn't doubt it. That was. I I know. Um, I was able to read. Um, uh, what's his name? Malcolm X's autobiography, and he definitely was. I mean, there's obviously questions around his death, and it's not out of the realm of possibility that, what is it, like the CIA or. One of those agencies could have. Done something. Got involved. Yeah. It's hard to know, really. I mean, yeah, it's not out it's of the. Just, you guess...
1: know, go ahead.
0: No, I was gonna say, like, it's not, it's not an impossible fact, you know. It's, it's not right. impossible to to potentially find and dig and and that become a fact, essentially.
1: Right. No, yeah. I mean, as as, as much as I've known and heard and, and looked into as um, MLK in the past, um, I think it's it's somewhat uh, tragic as far as like 2021 is concerned, the, the political climate, cultural upheavals and what have you, however you wanna phrase it. Um, just for the simple fact that like what he was talking about, his message, it doesn't it doesn't resonate like how it used to like like right now it's his his uh figurehood is a little bit more important than what he was actually saying Mm -hmm. what he was actually like you know because i mean he was about free speech and he was about you know doing things in a certain way, in a certain order, a certain fashion to be done peacefully. And he was advocating for peace and advocating for, you know, basically a a non-aggression way of looking at things or approach non-violence and how, like, like nobody's saying that. Nobody's, like, we condemn, you know, we condemn, like, violence when we want to, but we're not actively speaking on peace. You know, we're not, we're just saying like, that's another one too, that kind of bugs me, I guess is the, is the one where he talks about the, the voice, the riots are the voices or the voice of the unheard. Yeah. That is completely misquoted. And like, I don't know if you, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. That one specifically.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I remember Um, he uh, basically with last year's riots there was emphasis on that quote and basically they took that out of context to kind of justify the riots. Yeah. See if I can just pull it up. Which I mean obviously right? Context, Context matters and it's interesting because i i understood that concept but i think the more as it relates to like scriptures in the bible like the more that you read and you and you look at these stories and the way they develop and the way you kind of interweave the different books then you realize like why context really matters because it's telling you something there's a message right obviously but in order to understand what is being said and it's not explicit necessarily of course like you know you can cross-reference and get a better uh clearer picture but sometimes it's not very clear so based off the story or um you know based off of a book then you can grasp that that context so i think in that same light as we're like you know as you're looking for that quote like i'm thinking that's what like if we think about uh, uh, the story of us like in terms of lee and gabriel and whomever else right our story is is what it's context dependent right so who we are depends upon right the context of the day the year age the setting you know we presumably would have been developing ourselves right to be better men and husbands and fathers and people and ultimately to live a life that's more christ-like and be a disciple right so if you take something out of context well yeah obviously you can look at something someone did that is wrong i guess you could say or immoral or what have you but you're judging that person based off of something that you've pulled out of the story of this person you've pulled out of context and you can't see if they've redeemed or apologized or made amends or you know made improvements essentially and so I think we're dealing with that more and more, right? It's like we we want to judge someone especially off of their faults and their lowest point. And it's like they're condemned forever. And I think, you know, obviously as time progresses, well, we can look back and obviously what is it, Monday night coaching or something like that? Right? Twenty uh hindsight is twenty twenty. Obviously, right, that's that's easy to look back and judge and say where someone was right or made a mistake. But, yeah, I just, I don't know, that came to mind when you were thinking, like, when you were going to look for that quote because it's like, hmm, that's us, you know, that's us now. We're dealing with that same problem.
1: Yeah, and I think, how do you call it? when we When we think of God doing a work in us, like we kind of we kind of have a way of like separating ourselves from it a little bit as far as like, no, no, God's, you know, doing a work in us so that so that I can do, you know, so that I can mm-hmm. do X, Y, and Z or accomplish, you know, whatever it is that I need to accomplish. But a lot of times we forget that the work that God is doing in us is literally transforming us as 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 we I, you know, however we might identify, however we might see ourselves or see the rest of the world. Like the work that he's actually doing is, is actually us. He's, he's softening our hearts. You know, he's actually allowing us to, to be better participants within humanity. I think sometimes that, that goes amiss, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. I just uh, at least that's what I what I can gather from that. Um, do you want me? To, do you want me to share the quote really quick? I mean, I have like like portions of it. I guess I'm trying to find like the actual. I don't know if it's like a speech, but
0: oh yeah, go ahead. That's, that's an honor, right? <laughs> Honestly.
1: Yeah. On The day that he's celebrated, recognized uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And this is what he says. Riots are socially destructive and self-defeating. I'm so convinced that nonviolence is the most potent weapon available to oppress people in their struggle for freedom and justice. I feel that violence will only create more social problems than they will solve. And as long as America postpones justice, we stand in the position of having these recurrences of violence and riots over and over again. The ultimate weakness of violence is that it is descending spiral, begetting the very thing it it seeks to destroy. Instead of diminishing it, it multiplies it. Through violence, you may murder the liar, but you cannot murder the lie nor establish the truth. Through violence, you may murder the hater But you do not murder hate. In fact, violence merely increases hate. Returning violence for violence multiplies violence. Adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. This is from fee.org. Wow. This is from last... uh, This is by Kai M. Wright. This is from June 6, 2020. Uh, th- I thought it was going to s- talk about the 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 voice of the unheard, but I guess I guess it didn't.
0: Huh. Yeah, I wonder if that's not the full quote, maybe or like a full.
1: Oh well, the writer, the uh, the writer of this article says the logic of Dr. King laid out, uh, perhaps, is inspired by the Gospel of Matthew. He's talking about the ultimate weakness of violence. Is that it is a descending spiral begetting the very thing that seeks to destroy instead of diminishing it, it multiplies it?
0: Mm. Oh, here we go. Um, a USA Today article. Let's see if I can find
1: it. You would think like, that quote would be a lot easier <laughs> to look to up, find, right? right? Yeah, because I've actually heard, I think I've heard like the audio.
0: I can read this. Sure. So it says here, this is uh, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. This is a part of the speech, as it says in here in this USA Today article. Certain conditions continue to exist in our society, which must be condemned as vigorously as we condemn riots. But in the final analysis, a riot is the language of the unheard. And what is it that America has failed to hear? It has failed to hear that the plight of the Negro poor has worsened over the last few years. It has failed to hear that the, promise, the promises of freedom and justice have not been met. And it has failed to hear that large segments of white society are more concerned about tranquility and the status quo than about justice, equality, and humanity. And so in a real sense, our nation's summers of riots are caused by our nation's winters of delay. And as long as America postpones justice, we stand in a position of having these recurrences of violence and riots over and over again. Social justice and progress are the absolute guarantees of riot prevention. Um, I think that's the full quote.
1: (sighs) Yeah.
0: I don't know if this is exactly what he said or, I mean, it looks
1: like it. I I saw pieces of that on a different website, yeah.
0: perhaps i mean it's hard to know right like maybe he's saying like this is why people are writing mm-hmm.
1: no you know you know what i was thinking of here in that that last portion was uh like actually I a, i'm on a website in regards to it covering the the um the winter,
0: in regards oh, yeah. to the winter delay. And it
1: has, it has failed to hear the large segments of white society are more concerned about tranquility. Yeah, when it goes into, and so in a real sense, our nation's summers of riots are caused by our nation's winters of delay.
0: Um, Talk about very accurate in terms of like, or like um, archetypal, right?
1: Pretty, yeah, it's pretty poetic. Okay, so before that, sorry, we're, we're here, the second sentence of that paragraph where it says talking about America, it has failed to hear the the plight of the Negro poor has worsened over the last few years. But I am assuming this is from the sixties at some point, during the nineteen sixties. Um, what do you call it? No, it's interesting how what he's saying here, how it contrasts with the things that Thomas Sowell is going to say.
0: Hmm. Do you have that?
1: Well, I just think it's like what Thomas Sowell and others have made mention of as far as like the, the, the aspect or the idea that the civil rights movement has in many ways, it, it has empowered the black community as far as the civic the civics of, of um, the country. Hmm. But it has done a lot of damage to their families, to the families in black communities. Now like, like sadly, it was a trade-off. Like in, in some aspects things got better, but in other aspects they got worse
0: oh right yeah 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 it's interesting that he says um large segments of white society are more concerned about tranquility and the status quo than about justice equality and humanity um it reminds me i think it was earlier today or yesterday if we could but there's this theme that's that's kind of going around from like Discussions I'm hearing on podcasts and whatnot. So, as it relates to the issues of you know the last so many years, I don't know how far back you can go, but as we as we're dealing with like political correctness, cancel culture, cancel culture, cancel culture, um, you know microaggressions, safe spaces, you know so on and so forth. What, what, that, what's that, what that is doing is distracting us from the real issues, right? As it relates to like income inequality or, you know, even like climate change and global warming, you know, these, these big discussions, these big issues that you could say, right, that are impacting everybody, not just a, a specific segment of society. However, certain segments are feeling it worse than others, right? And in this instance, it's the Black community. And and so the more we get away from the issues, right? And the more that, you know, corporations and social media and media in general are amplifying these these concepts, these, um, I forgot who said it, but, Essentially, it's like a, it's it's like a, a big distraction. It's a hey, the shiny object, look over here, while you know the real corruption and injustices are happening. In a sense, right? We're we're blinded to that, and as, and I think maybe the last three four years through Trump, in a sense, like he's kind of part of that. Um, in terms of like exposing, right? When we had the Me Too movement. We had, um, especially with these bills that came out, the funding, the COVID and the, um, the omnibus bill, like how much money was being spent on and for different, for other countries and different things instead of money coming to, you know, the citizens. So um, in a sense, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of exposure happening, but yet we're still, we're still missing the mark somehow you know, as a, as a society and culture, because we're so worried about, you know, offending someone or, you know, misgendering or whatever the case may be when when it relates to, like, some of these uh, political correctness, yeah. uh, you know, flare-ups, if you want. So it's interesting that we're, we're t- entirely missing the mark, right? And, and it's like, whomever is whatever the lead or the upper middle class, the 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 richest, right? The one percenters, like they're fine. They're not worried about um safe spaces or microaggressions. None of this
1: affects them at all.
0: Right. And but they and not okay, so it doesn't affect them. But what they're also doing is doing their virtual signaling or their signaling to the customers or the, the the culture the the nation that, hey, like Black Lives Matter, or you know, income inequality, or justice, and all these different things, and they're just saying and kind of um, placating, so they can continue profiting and doing whatever injustices or corruption that they may be involved in. I don't know. Um, it's just interesting, you know, how how very accurate this is, even years later, you know.
1: Yeah, and that's how do you call it? Talking about the big corporations. The corporatism that's involved. Um, that that's only only going to go so far as it depends on their income flow. So yeah. once you mess with their income flow, which we would mess with the profits, then guess what? Mm, they're going to change their tune a little bit. It's not going to be the same. Like you said, yeah, the virtue signaling is there for the time being, but then, you know, for example the COVID lockdowns in California. I mean, Disney has been a big proponent to reopen the state because of Disneyland. Disneyland's not making the money that it's accustomed to. Mm -hmm. So they want you to stay safe and wear a mask. And, and they even, you know, they even opened up a, as far as I know, like a drive-through vaccine um, fulfillment center or whatever, whatever they call it in Disney property. Over the weekend.
0: Oh, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So, so duh. <laughs> you know, they're being they're being participants of being able to you know get to the point where we're at a, at least you know an effective herd immunity with an effective vaccine. But
0: yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. I, I I now it's hitting me. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Obviously. So right? yeah.
1: I mean, I know I'm using COVID as an example, but you know that goes along with like you just said, like virtue signaling and social justice and how like, yeah, it's really interesting, right? How Nike and the NBA are big proponents of Black Lives Matter, social justice and uh, criminal justice reform and what have you. But then they're in bed with the Chinese Communist Party who's involved in, you know, slave labor they're involved in their prison camps with the Uyghurs you know?
0: mm-hmm.
1: right so I mean and that's an and that's just an argument that I've heard too it's like well we don't concern ourselves with the politics so I think LeBron might have said that we don't concern ourselves with the politics of China because China is a foreign country and we're not Chinese so We really don't have like a ton of to say about that. Like that, we have nothing to do with that. But since we're American and we see the injustices of the United States, then let's you know, let's touch on that because uh, the same article that I was referring to. No, sorry, this is a different article from uh, Medium.com, and it's quoting the. This is from. It's referring to to Sherry Lynn Eiffel. She's the she's part of the legal defense team. Sorry, the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. It's just, this is in response to the um, acquittal of, uh, I have to remember the name of the officer here in this article. Officer Peramino Yanez, who fatally shot Philando Castile. This is what she said. The 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 member of the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. Quote, because if the government can take your life and no one is held responsible, you are a second-class citizen, if not fully dehumanized in the eyes of the law. That is the devastating message, this verdict, along with all those similar acquittals before it, sends to communities of color across the nation. So, so, these are just my two cents with, with something, something like that. I'm not too familiar with Orlando Castile. As far as I know, he, I believe he was the gentleman who was pulled over. And he informed the police officer that he was armed. He had a license to carry permit. Mm-hmm. And he was still shot anyway. Because the officer was scared for his life and thought that he was reaching for his gun. I think he was trying to reach his wallet, or um, yes, that's according to this article, that was back in 2016, July 6. He's with his girlfriend and his daughter. Mm. Um, anyway, like when I read that statement of of Miss uh, Miss Eiffel, or I feel I always that's kind of I guess what I always go back to as far as like. the the ideas of social justice, the ideas of um, or ideals, I should say, fighting for inequality, um, the message behind Black Lives Matter, like it it makes so much sense because there's so many different examples you can point to as far as like you know wrongdoing within the court system, legal system, you know people calling for police um, police reform, but like my whole thing is like this is like just my two cents my whole thing is like so you know you fully you're fully aware you're fully cognizant of the idea that the government is corrupt and it's not capable of providing you justice the government is filled with so much red tape and so many inconsistencies and and yet like people still want the validity that comes with the government. Mm -hmm. Like we're understanding that the government, in this case, the government's the problem. But if the government decided to do things a little differently, then, you know, we might have some form of justice or some form of equality. Does that make sense? Like we're trying to get, like it's a rigged, it's a rigged system. It's a rigged game.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. and exactly. you still
1: want to play the game. You still want to have confidence in the government, as though the government is just enough, is righteous enough, is smart enough, is wise enough to provide, to provide these means, to provide like, you know, what does that make sense, or am I just like talking out of my um, <laughs> my anar- anarchist view viewpoint of some things and how I see them and how I'm like you're arguing but, against the wall.
0: Yeah, I think I think um, I'm, I'm becoming more and more sympathetic to that view because of obviously like Michael Malice and Tom Woods and Dave Smith. Um,
1: Wait till you get to Eric July.
0: <laughs> I haven't dipped my toes.
1: Eric July and Maj Torre.
0: <laughs> oh, I, I got a little bit of Torre with uh, what was it, Tim Pool. <laughs> yeah, they. It's so interesting, right? Like, it's, it's a different form of anarchy in a sense.
1: Well, um, it's uh, right wing anarchy.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, it seems more like, in my, from what I'm gathering, it seems more reasonable, like, in terms of like how the arguments are laid out. Um, versus like let's just burn this mother down and yeah kind of like we just want to watch the world burn. And
1: and for those that are unfamiliar to right wing anarchy, if we had to boil it if I had to boil it down, it's essentially that wherever you live, whatever city or community what have you, if you were to come into an agreement with your neighbors that your your city your city would be run like an HOA, essentially. Where if you don't like how things are run, how they're how they're they're going about things, how that's being met, man- your city's being managed, what have you? Your state, you know, your county, state, what ha- or whatever, however you want to frame that. that. essentially you're running it like an HOA. So there's certain rules that need to be met, that need to be addressed, that need to be honored, and if that's not something that you want to participate in or be a part of, then you're more than you're more than um, at liberty to to leave or go someplace else. I know that's very like idealistic, but essentially, like that's a, I, I guess like the, for me anyway. The way I always kind of present it to people as well is like I live in California. Like, why should I have a say in how people in Detroit or Chicago or New York or Dallas or Miami, why should I have a say in how they live and how they're being governed?
0: Right. Mm-hmm.
1: I'm all the way over here with my own problems. Like, why should it matter who I vote for, who I want in power to, to be, a, you know, in the executive role or even in the legislative or even in the judicial, like how I vote, like, you know, it's going to affect these different, these different outcomes. I mean, yeah, like why, (laughs) you know, they have a very different way of doing things. And I think me and you have talked about it maybe through text, but essentially talking about the idea of secession and how like, we, we could see it from 2016 we could see it from 2020, the election cycle and how like this country, this country is really divided into already. If you look at it from a political standpoint, from a cultural standpoint, like the divides already there. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, cause we're, we're, what we're doing is like, I guess like if you look at it that way, like a divide and conquer, where like, again, like the government, they're not good at handling this. They're not good at these people that are in politics. I mean, like I said, the game is rigged. And so whatever they're doing, whatever they're deciding, whether it's a good idea or a bad idea, there's zero consequences.
0: No one's held accountable
1: no one's like yeah like the worst thing that can happen to you is that you don't get voted back you don't get invited back (laughs) you know like that's it like your your political career is done and thank you goodbye but as far as like being corrupt as far as like you know allowing allowing this idea of no term limits allowing the idea of lobbyists corporatism like there's just no end in sight like what what's holding them back what's i mean we think it's supposed to be the constitution but that's not exactly what the constitution you know wasn't strong enough or we weren't strong enough to actually abide by something like that you know like it it just goes back to something like um almost like the garden of Eden, like Adam and Eve, where it's like, we weren't strong enough to hold, to hold ourselves to that standard. Hmm. Anyways, that I know that's like a, a bit of a rant, but I just think, yeah, I'm like, why, why are we doing this? Why are we still trying to play the game. We know it's rigged. We know like <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you know that it's set up a certain way and you're still mad at the outcome, knowing full well that there's certain outcomes that you will fully expect.
0: I think it's frightening to consider that as an option. Obviously, right? That's very session yeah i think it creates it creates uncertainty it creates chaos it's 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 the unknown it's obviously something that if we think about our life right there's been consistency throughout we've we've, yeah. we've been intact we've been dealing with our institutions the you know you have the tax system you have your state system, you have your local municipalities, everything's kind of been chugging along as synchronistically as, as possible, right? As much harmony as we can manage. That's that's deteriorated, it seems like. it's it, There's been, you know, termites in the wood and Over time, we've kind of just ignored all the different various problems, and now this house is starting to fall apart. Mm -hmm. And as much as Lincoln, I think, makes sense as it relates to his quote, um, A house divided cannot stand.
1: He took from Uh, Jesus. A
0: house divided, um, 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 was it house divided with itself? House divided
1: against itself cannot stand.
0: Which um, Jesus said about Satan, right?
1: Oh, he said about, yeah,
0: right. How can Satan The power of the works and, and sin. Mm-hmm. So I think if we think about it, it um, in that term of the termites, we can think about the termites being sin and corruption and um, wickedness. It's, it's the million decisions, the million tiny decisions that have been made over the years by whomever if it's our politicians if it's our business leaders it's um i mean that's pretty much like any any leadership right anyone who's um acting now in the world that has consequences it's in our families it's in our friends it's it's everywhere right it's in every decision we make Uh, my cousins used to say that every day you have a decision every day you have a decision to make, or like every day is summed up in decisions, or something to that effect, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this house is eroding, and I think instead of trying to salvage, you know, kind of going along with your 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 thought is that we should build new houses. There's enough room. There's enough land. There's enough opportunity for us to build a new house. I think in its perhaps like it, similarly, I would I would think, right? We would want to create some similarity to what our old house looked like. But I think as much as we would like to keep this house, it's not looking good. And it, it's creating anxiety and anger and resentment because if we've continued to like I don't know, it's like a sinking boat. we we're, we're trying to we're trying to pull out water, but we just can't do it fast enough. It's going to sink eventually. Right. I know it's like I'm like throwing like five metaphors at once, but it's all good. Um, it's just obviously right. It, it's for me, like I can speak for myself. Like it's frightening to think about, but it makes sense.
1: What? Well, yeah, and I think we just you need to abide in truth, right? We need to be honest with. Mm-hmm. How things are going and what's worked versus what hasn't. Like you're saying, like maybe there are some good aspects that we can still follow along and keep around, but ultimately we've seen how power corrupts. Right. I think I think Wasali Sale has touched on it. It's not that these systems are bad, it's that we're bad. Mm-hmm. You know, humanity's bad. Within our sinful nature. So, knowing that we're, you know, acknowledging that we're bad, that we're sinful, you know, we have a sinful nature that ultimately we're always looking for, or we run, it's like we, it's almost like we run towards corruption. You know, so it's like, okay, let's, how do we minimize that? You know, how do we go about recognizing and understanding that you can't just, unwittingly just give just hand over all this power all this control to just you know these these entities these people that you know that we think we can entrust you know we can we think we can entrust them with all this power but I mean that's there's wasn't that the whole you know the whole uh uproar with Twitter you know banning Trump and people like not Americans, like people from around the world, other world leaders are, were upset. Like they're like, we're, you know, this is a slippery slope. Like, where does it end? Where it, a big corporation, you know, can just decide like, oh, we're gonna, you know what, we're gonna do this and make sure that we silence this world leader and, and how they, how they interact and how they, you know, communicate. and, I mean, there's a. I mean, I know there's a lot to it that we could go into with that, but it's just another example of like when the reason why it's like this too, you know, it's because the government got involved. You know, big tech has a lot of government subsidies and government involvement, government uh, interaction as far as like tax breaks are concerned, and so there's a lot of corporate welfare behind all that. So. Excited? It's just—it's just like we keep giving the state more and more power, and we're wondering—we're we're like, well, why? What's up with all these problems? Like, why? Why is it so hard to do things? Why is it so hard to get things done? And why can't we just simplify this? And like the people—the example I always use for people is like, okay, just go to the DMV. You know, how does it? How does it work? Are you there for like 20, 30 minutes? Or are you going to be there? Or at least half your day trying to, you know, renew your license or what have you, going for your, your eye exam, you know, maybe it's a written test. I don't know. Like you're like, it's such a mess. And like, we know it's a mess. Like we know it's bad. And yet like, <laughs> you know, we don't realize we don't accept like, you know what, maybe there's a better way to do this. But anyhow, <laughs>
0: No, I, I think that's like the pinnacle of government-run anything. Right? It takes well, forever. Well, right. Like and... what?
1: What? What does the government do? At least I'm, I guess I'm just, right now. I'm just talking to Gabriel. What does, <laughs> in your mind, your estimation, your opinion, what is it? What is it that the government does that they're very efficient? They're very well prepared, well organized, and they actually make it easier for you.
0: Well, I would say pain and suffering. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm just saying, like,
1: like, isn't it funny how like <laughs> 2020 was like cops bad, like we don't want cops, cops bad. They fund the police. And then it's like, with the whole thing with the Capitol building, it's like, police good.
0: Really good.
1: Defense police. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just, okay. <laughs> like, now, now they're good.
0: How dare they attack our institutions. Our wonderful racist institutions
1: right that's what yeah and I think you we'll probably shared it on the group chat that was my thing too where it was like this whole time statues were bad monuments were bad and then the one time this other the other side of the group other side of the country other side of the aisle, they attack like one of the biggest monuments, one of these biggest you know museums in the United States what what uh, Nancy Pelosi called, the temple of our democracy, like it's a church or something, like she's in a coal. Once that was, you know, vandalized, I mean, they're they saying attack, but that was vandalized people. Come on. They were trespassing.
0: I mean, if you really boil it down, it was trespassing.
1: They're trespassing and they're, they're vandalizing the, yeah. the building. Um, aside from people being Shot at and people right. being trampled over, and killed,
0: um, fighting with the cops, things like, like that.
1: Yeah, like, what is? It? How did Nancy put it? Desecration of our. <laughs> that really bugged me when she said that. It was like, Grandma, you're mad because your kids came into your living room with mud on their shoes.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right.
1: No, but. Oh, I lost my train of thought.
0: Oh, no, that's okay. Let me, give me one second and I will do us the favor and I think this will help you jog your memory as it relates to Mrs. Pelosi as you were referencing the the beautiful quote. Here we are. She said, "This the gleeful desecration of the U.S. Capitol, which is the temple of our American democracy."
1: Right. So it's like you guys were telling us that monuments bad, statues bad. Take it down, burn it down, tag all over it, throw paint on it. It's a symbol of racism, oppression, inequality. In a tree. Yeah. Again, like. You're telling me that the Capitol building and a place that's a symbolic of an institution of corrupt politicians some way somehow isn't oppressive? Yeah. Like like the people that wrote up these Jim Crow laws, you know, it's again like if you're looking at it going back to, to um, the plight of the African American community, right? Within the the history of the United States, like I know we we refer to it as as things we you know the themes so that we say or the things that we we attribute it to is um, imperialism, colonialism, racism, the slave trade. So we have these different right these different terminologies for it. But then when we break it down, who who or what was the institution that was perpetuating this movement this behavior the state is the one that was legitimizing slave trade and you know protecting the slave boats and slave ships and like you know slavery itself like again like this game is rigged and you guys are complaining to the referee that it's rigged like the ref knows that,
0: the, one one know, that the ref getting, is a, the, so, paid
1: yeah, the the ref understands. Like, he's part of the system. Like, why are you you complaining to him?
0: It's so funny, actually. I had this thought, but you helped me um, remember it. Um, if, if, if I'm gonna ask you, Lee. Mm-hmm. Um, you were, you know, you asked me, what has the government done that has made your life easier or more efficient, or has been a, a you know, a value add to your life, right? Okay, now let's pull back more and let's do like a a 30,000 foot view as it relates to like history, right? Of all human human, um, suffering, when it comes to death and destruction and just complete, Ruin of a civilization or society, which institution uh, essentially allowed that, or even, but rather allowed it. Perpetuated,
1: perpetuated. But was the culprit? It's the state,
0: always. Right. I mean,
1: if you want to count, like, like pandemics, you know, like the bubonic plague or what was it, the Black Plague, but. Okay, fine. Like you can throw that in there too. But as far as like a proactive like movement or a genocide, or like you said, war. Yeah, it's usually governments. It's usually people in power that are really corrupt and evil, and have a uh, like, like Obi Wan Kenobi told it, Anakin. They have a lust for power. Mm-hmm. So it's like by all by any means necessary, I'm going to get my way, even if that means. Killing a whole lot of people just to get my way.
0: The means justify the ends. Like the end.
1: the DMs.
0: Sorry, the means justify the end.
1: But I'm all the DMs. <laughs> 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 no, but no, yeah. Like I don't know. This is again. This is just another like point of view, like revisionist history, if you will. You mentioned Abraham Lincoln earlier, right? So I'm. I'm not going to argue that Abraham Lincoln did the wrong thing, you know, in, in looking to abolish slavery, which was obviously came about during the middle of the war. That's when he, the middle of the Civil War, that's when he put that into place, that idea of the abolishment of slavery. Um, but this is just another, like, again, revisionist history point of view is that. It's a bit ironic that, to you know, the we were saying, or you were saying earlier, the means do not justify the end.
0: The DMs. <laughs> you started it.
1: <laughs> no, but for example, with with Lincoln, right? He, in the middle of the war, he sought out with the de- with the emancipation Emancipation Declaration. He sought out to free these slaves right in bondage correct Mm -hmm. how did he go about that your estimation
0: how did he free the slaves from bondage
1: what what was what was the means of how how did he do that
0: oh sorry sorry um shoot i'm trying to remember didn't he um gosh i know you did something crazy
1: well, I mean, it was a, there was this big war, right? This big civil war in the country.
0: Oh, right. That was, that was definitely part of it. Um, that was
1: part of it. Okay, okay, but hold on. There's a little wrinkle to this. What is required for you to have a war?
0: You must be able to declare it. It has to be approved by Congress. That
1: that's part of it. Okay, but, you're, but what, what, what about the force? the fighting forces? What do you need?
0: You need a reason
1: far as that's concerned.
0: I <laughs> like we're finished charades.
1: We are a little bit. Um, what I'm trying to get to is that he needed an army to go and get his way by force.
0: Got it. Got it. Okay.
1: You know, we people can come, come, com- complain, or they can defend, or they can say, you know, any which way about as far as like doing this diplomatically, the freeing, freeing of the slaves, but. If you look at it through the eyes of like the draft and drafting young men to fight in a war, like some people are going to say, well, you're, you're using by means of force, you know, taking the, the livelihoods and the lives of these young men to fight in this war in order to take people away from, from being in bondage.
0: Yeah, you're using sort of like another wrong.
1: You're using, you're using force to go up against force.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, it's not exactly like apples and oranges. I get that, but essentially, like you're forcing these young men to to die in order to accomplish what it, you know what it is that you're trying to accomplish.
0: Your intentions are good. His intentions, right? Were... Absolutely. Unjustified.
1: That it was the, the intentions were good. Right? Presumably. Intentions were good. It's just that how you went about it, it wasn't the most righteous way to go about it, so to speak.
0: There, I forgot Monica and I were watching something, I forget, a show or a movie, they said sometimes you're doing the right thing doesn't mean you're doing the right thing or something like that. Sometimes doing the right thing right. isn't doing the right thing. I think that's how it was it's said.
1: It's not always they don't always equate to each other.
0: Yeah, and he, and he did some crazy things apparently like he was jailing
1: suspended he, he, habeas corpus, he was yeah. jailing the, the press, journalists. Right
0: to jail, like, no trial. Right, sent them
1: right to jail. You had a special jail for journalists.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> like crazy stuff.
1: And then he messed up. He messed up and he got that racist Democrat from the South, Andrew Johnson to be his vice president.
0: Well, you know, hey. You can um, you can only ask so much for one man, you know?
1: I mean, you know what you know what after lincoln was dead you know what what johnson said right as far as like they when he was at press or he was asked about going about abraham lincoln's um his agenda his presidential agenda or movement what have you Mm-mm. so this is something i learned when i went to dc i think it was 2 years ago now 2 or 3 years ago so Andrew Johnson's whole like his whole thing was like no I'm not going to continue I'm not going to continue on with Lincoln's agenda here I'm going to make sure that the country this country re- remains a white man's country. Oh. Yeah. Because a lot of what we saw in the 1960s and I think we've already touched on this on this show before some point but so a lot of the, the the movements that we saw in the civil rights civil rights acts and what have you in the 1960s a lot of that would have taken place in the 1860s had lincoln not died he had a lot of ideas as far as like voting rights and uh, citizenship equality what have you Within the 1860s, after the Civil War, that that he was going to propose, that he was going to push forward, and essentially because of Andrew Johnson, we had to wait a hundred years in order for that to take place.
0: Huh. Well, what did you, yeah. you there? Isn't that- I mean,
1: that's just that's just like a little wrinkle, right, in this whole thing. But again, I, I go back, I, re- I revert back to the idea of like. Is it is this a good setup where the state has to give us permission to do something?
0: Yeah, I think that's right. That's the that's where the rubber meets the road. Mm -hmm. Why are we allowing, or in a sense, why have we allowed this to continue? This yeah, sort of like a it's like perpetuating, you know, kind of like perpetuating the same lie
1: right you're giving you're giving the state the same people that are causing this injustice that are causing inequality what we're all we're doing is perpetuating the same the same behavior the same agenda the same movement because we're trying to we're trying to justify or validate the need for the state the need for the government to to grant us these powers or these privileges and what have you.
0: Hmm. So
1: funny. Anywho, I didn't think this episode was gonna get that uh this political, but yeah, it happens sometimes, I guess.
0: <laughs> well I mean you never know what's gonna happen when when you're at the crossroads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I think I think more and more about just in terms of like if we if we bring it full circle, like the long term of the nation and what could bring stability, right? Um, and I think a, a big part of it, right, is to think about secession or. As I think uh, either Dave Smith or Michael Malice have said, like a divorce. I think we need to consider those options.
1: That's if we're all, how do you call it? That's if we're all on board that, hey, let's, let's um, treat each other like adults.
0: I mean, if we want to live and let live, then Well, that's a good option.
1: You know how, like, within, within the context of Christianity, scripture, the, the goal in mind is to love your neighbor as yourself, right? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, people will make that whatever they want. You make of that what you want, how you will. But sometimes, this is my two cents, my opinion. Sometimes loving your neighbor, loving your neighbor can just mean like leaving them alone and living that, leaving them in peace, not bothering them, not harassing them, not forcing them, forcing them to do something against their will, against their wishes. You know what I mean? Like you're actually like, by you leaving them alone, you know, to a certain extent, like you're respecting them. You're respecting their space, their place, their, their. livelihood you know you're not you're not being covetous you're not saying like you know he needs to pay his his fair share
0: right Mm -hmm.
1: i mean that's just like some of it but that that's also that can also be an aspect of love right where you're like you know what i'm gonna respect your wishes i'm gonna respect our boundaries here and understand like you said like live and let live and and let bygones speak bygones
0: yeah we're like so attached right
1: well that's okay that's another question that i have why do we need to coexist
0: mm, that is a good question
1: if all it's going to create is is hate and violence and more ignorance and more injustice and this isn't how do I how do you call it it's not a i know it's not a one size fits all i'm not saying that this is how we all need to live and that we all need to separate we need to divide the races up and no 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 i'm looking at it more from like a and i know peterson's going to like talk against it but like the ideologues right like like wouldn't it make sense for like one part of the country, however they seek fit to live and and self-govern, like what what is so like evil about that? What is so like demoralizing or like what is so problematic with that idea that like if you look at um something that I learned recently, I believe it was J Vernon McGee that was talking about the the old Testament prophets and how the, those prophets that were in Israel that dealt with Judah, he's like, they were all nationalistic because a lot of their message was for the nation of Israel. You know, their, their audience wasn't, it wasn't a foreign people. It wasn't a foreign tongue. It wasn't a foreign, you know, King, like they were strictly talking to Israel or Judah and they were they were reprimanding them, right? They were rebuking them. They were telling them like this is Israel and this is you know we do things a certain way here because of because of our allegiance to, to Jehovah, because of our you know covenant with, with God Almighty and you know because nationalism is such a bad word in in our current okay. huh?
0: In our day and age
1: yeah and the the thing is like there's so many different aspects to nationalism it's not just one you know there's not just one aspect to it you could apply it uh you can obviously apply it you know ethnically speaking you can apply it to civics you can apply it there's so many anyways my point my point being is like yeah like i think sometimes we just have to like you said let bygones be bygones and and let live and let live and Understand, like, not everybody wants to live this way, you know? Like, Like, shouldn't what matters, like, talking about MLK, shouldn't what matter most is judging people, not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character? So as far as your neighbor or choosing, you know, where to live or choosing who to interact with, like it matters more what what sets of beliefs and ideas they they're gonna have, because the more similarities similarities of ideas or thoughts there are values or beliefs, goals, what have you, the easier things are going to be as far as their interaction is concerned
0: right and it seems like in large part we. We do that, you know what I mean? Like separate. within our
1: own social circles and our families, and
0: mm-hmm. yeah, I think, oh so, yeah, that's, definitely separate from all of that, right?
1: Right, like, like I don't get along with everyone in my family. I'm sure, like that's true of you too. Like, there's just people in your within your own, you know, flesh and blood that you just you're not always going to see eye to eye, and that's okay. That's perfectly fine.
0: fact that's probably healthy right especially like if we think about the rural areas of the US I'm sure there's plenty of places where they're like you know you're, you're kind of by yourself there's like you're living somewhere where it's like acres upon acres and
1: like you're right you're like, like somebody who lives Somebody who lives in like Badger's Den, Alaska, versus somebody who lives in the Bronx. Mm-hmm. I just made up Badger's Den. I could have gone with like
0: sounds legit to me. Allen or huh? I said it sounded legit to me.
1: <laughs> Beaver's Dam, Alaska.
0: Population five hundred people.
1: It's probably like twelve.
0: What was what was. Um... What's her name again? She was on uh, with Michael Malice, Adrian Curry. Uh huh. You know, if you think about her situation with her husband, like that's a perfect example of someone that's living with, you know, living with their spouse. They don't have any kids, but they're able to essentially like fend for themselves without any any interference from essentially like government right it's like
1: well that's how because that's how they've chosen to live right mm -hmm. they left New York they left LA and they wanted to live out in the boonies basically and it's working for them yeah
0: and right for them exactly And I think, I think, I think if we think about, I think, I think, I think too much thinking. I don't know. It just seems like we, we are able to make these decisions for ourselves and it, it, it makes life simpler in that way without getting so bogged down. Right. And then I know with, um, and reconnect and Bible study the idea of like discipleship and the idea of, um, you know, abiding by the Holy Spirit and allowing yourself to, you know, work and work and um, in cooperation to the point where you don't even need permission for you to start uh, a movement, I guess you could say, right? Like John the Baptist or Jesus they didn't ask anybody for permission, they went out and did. Right. Right.
1: They had they had something already within them that they needed to work out on their own, like with their own hands, with their own lips, with their own, you know, their own movement, like you said, movement. They had to they had to put some work in. You know, in order in order to fulfill the things that were already in them, these thoughts, these ideas, they had to, they had to take life and they took life in the work that they did. Yeah. That was
0: a result anyway. It's pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. It, it shows that we can we can work outside of like um, Jordan Peter and he was talking to gosh, what's his name? He's the author of a few books like Orphan X and whatnot, David Horowitz. I think his name is. Um, So essentially what he did like the last, I don't know, year or so, like kind of um, as leading up to the elections, the 2020 elections, he wanted to create messaging that could, um, for the Democratic Party, that could um, kind of like, I don't know, like smooth over voters or, or convince voters that there is a, I don't know, there's elements of the Democratic Party that are still for them and are not um, obsessed with like identity politics or, you know, PC culture or council culture. There's, There's a discussion that could be had within the Democratic Party that will, I guess you could say like, de-escalate kind of the the rhetoric in a sense right so he did this without getting any rubber stamp approval from the Democratic Party with their own money Um, they did all these ads and he said if we had waited for them to approve this we would have never done any any commercials we would have never had been able to move forward with any of our projects and Mm -hmm. it it just goes to show like we we are capable of this and it's like, what are we waiting for?
1: We right. Yeah. I thought of own. that. I thought of that too. I'm like, like, why, why are you guys waiting for permission to do what's what's right or to do what's ne- needed, what's necessary?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, that's, that's been like kind of my, like, position on like people advocating for the poor the needy the hungry it's like why are you waiting for the government to get involved
0: yeah especially if we think about like um like a, i think a good example is like taxing the rich right or like taxing the wealthy or what whatever that looks like if if everyone instituted uh, um a heart of giving of tithing or whatever that looked like for them except for them rich or poor i imagine that would make improvements as relates to the condition of the heart of these of whomever decides to do this as well as um undercutting i guess you could say the power of the government because are we are um are you your brother's keeper i think that plays a big part of that and I think those um, those cries for justice, I think in a lot of ways will be alleviated if everyone decides to participate in this voluntarily, mm-hmm. because we will be playing an active part in alleviating the the economic situation of our fellow men or women, you know, as it relates to like the widows and the orphans particularly right when it relates to like god's economy and um i imagine that would make a big difference Mm -hmm. and i imagine that's what they're looking for without knowing it because of how disconnected we've come we we've gotten from god he who is truth and scriptures it's it's just it just keeps playing over and over again you know we're asking for these things but we're not asking as I guess you can say like in the right way and we're not asking to the right, I don't know, to the right listener. And you want to say it that way. Mm-hmm. So
1: no, no. Yeah. Like it's true. It's true. Like, how do you call it? What you said reminded me of, uh, one of the videos I saw of Michael Franzis, the former, former, uh, mob boss and how he's now, he's now a believer in Christ and like one of the he reviews like movies and what have you and he and he kind of like breaks it down as far as like what's realistic and what's not from from that life but um he was actually quoting uh, Michael Corleone from the Godfather part 2 I don't know if you're familiar with any of the Godfather movies
0: somewhat actually.
1: Yeah, so it's the scene the scene where his niece um is visiting him with her boyfriend because the boyfriend is there to to basically get the the uncle's like blessing, the permission to to marry the,
0: the oh, yes. girl.
1: And is so like it's like just problem, asking, right? I think it's part two.
0: Oh, okay. It's in, the, it's in the beginning of the of the movie.
1: I thought it was I can't remember exactly, but anyway, so he's talking to the guy, just asking him, like, how do you plan to provide for my niece, and what have you, blah, 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 and they start talking, and, like, the guy's kind of, like, embarrassed because he owns some stocks, and and he has some investments, and then Michael Franzese, you know, he talks about how the line that Michael uses is, uh, contempt for money is another trick of the rich to keep the poor without it, (laughs) and he and so Michael Franzese is saying, like, who are the people that are telling us that it's bad to be rich, that it's evil to be rich, that it's, it's a, uh, you know, it's not a good thing. It's not a thing to. It's not a goal. It's not a good, you know, good thing to aspire to. And he's like, it tends to be these these politicians that are they're they're rich themselves, and and yet they're complaining about, you know, these companies are too rich and. And they're, you know, they're, they're taking away from the poor and they're using the poor and they're um, exploiting them and what have you. And, And Michael Franzese's point was like, none of these politicians are poor. They're not struggling. Like, you know, they, they act like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm this loud voice for the poor. I'm an advocate for the poor, but then it's like, they're not living that lifestyle
0: and very much you know, benefiting from that system.
1: They're, they're benefiting from the system, yeah. Because it, it kind of like it kind of like reminds me of the early church and the, the, the leaders of the early church, the, the apostles and how it's like, yeah, these guys like they gave up a lot of their, their livelihoods and their way of life and their lifestyles to follow Christ. And then once Christ, you know, sent them excuse me, once he sent them out into the world to, to minister, to preach, it's like they weren't living a, in a lap of luxury, you know, they weren't living like a lavish lifestyle and even Paul, you know, even Paul was going to go go as much, go, go as far and say like, you know what, I have to work sometimes to make my way, you know, he, he would build tents and, and he would bring in, he would generate income so that he wouldn't be a burden to the local church that he was staying with. He, he didn't want them to feel as though he expected them to serve him, you know, hand and foot, and for him to just, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's mi- he's ministering, yeah, he's able to, you know, be a, to, to be a big contributor to, to the church, but at the same time, like, he did not want them to feel as though he was taking advantage of them. Hmm. So it's like, he literally, like, humbled himself and became a part of them. The same way we can see that's the example that christ laid out right like he came into this world he was the the creator of the universe and he decided to be born in a manger you know he decided to be ostracized by society to be referred to as an illegitimate son and and to be poor and to be amongst the poor and to you know associate with sinners and what have you and like it wasn't a very glamorous life. It wasn't a very you know, glamorous uh, life that he took took upon himself.
0: It wouldn't be what you would imagine.
1: What well, you're right. It's not what the religious elite were expecting at the
0: time. Mm-hmm. So interesting. It's like if you're not part of of the group. And if you're not, not only are you, they imagine or, or they were arguing, like, if you're not part of this group and I don't see any way in which you can even become part of the group, then you want to kind of, in a sense, deny who you are, your identity. Right. it doesn't fit our framework. Mm-hmm. And yet... They were proven wrong. Isn't that beautiful? Well
1: it just, it just goes to show you, right? It's like, can you really trust these people that are telling us how to live, how to think, what to do, when we can work, when we can't work, when to stay inside, when to take a vaccine, how much taxes we should pay? And it's, and it's like, and we're not going to give you the option either. You're going to be forced to do this. Because this is a good thing to do. This is the right thing to do.
0: I... I... Um, I was watching videos this morning on um, the 2A, Second Amendment, um, the right to bear arms. And um, I don't know if you've ever heard of, of this channel. It's called Warrior Poet Society. No. So he... What you were saying, right? Like the, the government will force, they will coerce you to do something because they deem it to be um, morally good. As
1: Mandatory right? buybacks.
0: Mandatory buybacks, right? Because we want to protect the children, we want to uh, prevent deaths and mass shootings, and
1: they want to they want to buy back something that they've never owned
0: with the money that we gave them, right? So <laughs> it, it, it's like. It's gonna become so socially um, pressured. Like we're gonna become, we're gonna be pressured socially. We're gonna be condemned and ostracized and um,
1: ridiculed. ridiculed. Are, but...
0: yeah, exactly. To the point where it's like, well, we're gonna do this because we're from the government and we're to help. We're here to help you. As uh, I think it's Reagan said that the the scariest nine words ever said and and it's, it's it's just like it's not like this forceful act right it as we were saying like good intentions they they deem this to be right they the means justify the end and we know where the government we know better so this is what we need to do guns are bad it's and, and they kill people and, and mass shootings and children. We need to save the children. Um, so we're going to put so much pressure on you that you may not even be able to make a living for yourself. Your friends will hate you. Your family will hate you. So here's this program over here where you can alleviate all your pain and suffering. Let us help you. Let us help you from the pain that we've caused you.
1: Right, because because Jesus had no idea what he was talking about when he said, love does no harm to its neighbor.
0: Mm, man.
1: Was that Jesus that said that? Am I misquoting Jesus?
0: I wouldn't recommend you do that, but um, it sounds like something he would say.
1: Is that something Yeshua said?
0: <laughs> sounds like something he would say and if not he will let us know right away um i think as we bring this beautiful podcast to a landing as we start to see the runway and we as we start to see our um, landing designation our destination rather i think all in all what you are trying to say lee is that we're at a crossroads was that it? No, I don't want to do the cliche thing again. It didn't really fit. I tried to make it work. No, it didn't work. I'm
1: actually, I'm actually quoting First John. I'm not. I should have known that the, the book of love. But yes, we are at a crossroads here, people.
0: And it is time that we speak truth with love, and it is time that we love thy neighbor and our enemy as ourselves, and we 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 forgive and we and we extend mercy because without that boy, oh boy, we'll be in a lot more trouble than we are now.
1: You in trouble? You in trouble.
0: And um, again, happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Um, Amen. I know we we. I think this is a good way of kind of closing out. We look at MLK Jr. for the good that he he orchestrated if you want to say it that way he participated in despite the fact Mm -hmm. that he did have insufficiencies he did he's he's fallen like all of us he's imperfect but he did what he could Mm -hmm. to the best of his ability and I think that's what we need to do ourselves Amen Yeah I think that works.
1: Alrighty then, sir.
0: Well, hey, that was another one in the books. And um, I'll see you next week, Lee, at the crossroads.
1: All right, sir. Good night. Good night.